0: Welcome to the Performance Pathways podcast. This podcast has been prepared for, for any sports medicine, sports therapist, graduates, or anybody who's soon to graduate. Understanding the world of high-performance sports can be overwhelming, and it can be also be very confusing. It can be frustrating, challenging to make progress, and sometimes it can be unclear as to how to combine your academic preparation with practical application. These podcasts will engage with doctors and practitioners working currently at the highest level of sport to illuminate your journey and expand your horizons and provide more context and understanding of what you need in order to make a linked practitioner. Good news is today's guest is Atle Torstensen. Uh, Atal a graduate from Palmer College of Chiropractic, 1993, has worked at a high level of sports for a number of years, uh, starting as a team chiropractor for handball club Drammen, a Norwegian track and field national team. Uh, he also has his own private practice in Egerton, Norway, worked with several local international teams. He is currently part of the AC Milan medical team and has been so for the last four seasons. Uh, he's also was the Norwegian Chiropractic Association Chiropractor of the Year 2006, International Chiropractor of the Year 2010, and I met Atul at a seminar this year or last year in Aarhus at a Mitch, Mitch Malley seminar where he was one of the assisting doctors, just extremely impressed with his technical ability, but also his knowledge. Uh, so let's get into it. I'm going to bring Atul in right now. So Atul, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Is there is there anything that I missed there that, that you'd uh, like to expand on?
1: No, I think you got. I think you got <laughs> most of it down there.
0: There's there's so much depth to get into here. Um, but obviously, just expanding on on your early career and early studies. Uh, at, at what point did you did you figure out that you wanted to get involved in in sports chiropractic? And and was sports chiropractic even really a thing when when you were studying? No disrespect intended.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a thing back then. Uh, we were lucky. I was in Davenport, Iowa, at Palmer College, and we had this guy there called Mitch Malley, who was already fairly. Famous in, in the chiropractic circles for treating a lot of the San Francisco 49 er players. They won the Super Bowl and, and uh, several other high-level athletes. And I really started out uh, in his clinic as a patient. I, I played a lot of uh, football or soccer, as they call it, in, Amer- in America. I did a lot of track and field and had a lot of old injuries, especially to my ankles. And a friend of mine, he was a uh, was a patient there, and he recommended I went to see Dr. Malley, who started working on my ankles, and that's really what got me fired up and uh, showed me that chiropractic is um, is about the entire human body, not a not only about the the spine, and that you can come across uh, subluxations and uh, patterns of subluxations, uh, all uh, all over the, the body really. So I got a long story short, I got a lot of help with my with my ankles, I started doing his seminars, uh, like in my first trimester of uh, of college, and I just kept doing the seminars. I we became friends uh, after after a while. I helped him out a little bit in the clinic and uh, and observed him a lot while he was working, and um, things just developed from there. Then, of course, I took a lot of other extremity seminars with d- different uh, teachers. Mitch uh, Malley was really the guy that got me. Into the sports chiropractic uh, thinking, or uh, considering it uh, a viable career path, to say it like that.
0: Yeah, Mitch. Mitch Malley's, uh, something else. You know that that was my first ever seminar I'd taken with with Mitch last year when I when I came over. And I was, I mean, his his skills are, are phenomenal, and, and also would would highly recommend it. Was it was there anybody else early in your career, um, not necessarily a, a chiropractor, but anybody else that was influential for you uh, that that maybe helped you along your way?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, first and foremost, it was. Students that were were further along at school than I was. I, I, you know, started hanging out with the people that were known to be good adjusters, both spinally and uh, and extremity wise. I have a good colleague here in Norway. We're teaching a lot of seminars. He was a year ahead, year and a half ahead of me at Palmer, and he had already started doing the Mali seminars. And of course, I started uh, picking his brains about uh, as much as I as I could. So I you can be, you can say that I've been very lucky to have very good mentors all all along. All along the way you know. So, And that
0: said uh, the the other Norwegian student I presume is is the other atle.
1: Yeah it's a, uh, what we call who we call Big Atle.
0: <laughs> big atle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it and, and, but you're also quite a big atle as well just not as big as as he is exactly. but that, that's okay I, I look up to you both uh, literally and, and metaphorically as well. So uh, on, on graduation from Palmer did you come straight back to Norway?
1: Yeah, I went straight back to Norway. In, uh, in Norway, we had this system that you had to uh, intern or you had to work for a licensed chiropractor for a year until you can start your own uh, own practice. And I was, uh, I was lucky enough to get a, get a practice place or an intern place in, in Drammen in Norway and uh, close to Oslo. In that clinic, there was this physiotherapist who was working with the with Drammen handball team, which was by then, the, the, at that time, the best handball team in, in uh, Norway. And he kind of uh, introduced me to uh, he started getting interested in you know what I did and uh, what I knew and everything and I started treating some of the players in the clinic and then he kind of recruited me into the handball environment so I had uh, two teams that I worked with back then back then
0: in the handball how were those how were those early treatments for you when you were one-on-one with with some of these players some some high-level athletes at the first time what sort of things were you were you thinking did you have any any concerns any fears about it or or did you feel like you were well prepared for it
1: not really i didn't really have any uh, any big fears or anything like that i was uh, i was lucky i felt uh, felt very confident about my technique i felt confident about uh, what chiropractic could do you know i've seen so much at uh, in mali's office and everything so i, I was probably in retrospect i might have been a little bit too confident but uh, luckily everything uh, worked out fine and uh, and the players uh, by and large they got got well quicker than with other kinds of treatments so it got very popular in the in the handball environment uh, back in back in in, in those di- those days so i really got a kind of a flying start you know and ramnan is also a fairly small city so the handball players knew the soccer players in in ramnan so it's very soon, I had like a community of sports people that uh, were were my patients.
0: And at this time, you were sharing an office with the with a physical therapist.
1: Yeah, there were, we had a. It was a fairly big clinic for Norwegian standards. They had um, two chiropractors plus me as an intern and a physiotherapist working there. And the physiotherapist was uh, very well versed or very interested in sports injuries. So he started, uh, we started we work, started working together very closely, very very quickly. You know, everything just went by itself really
0: so what, one of the things i think is quite interesting in in the space that we work in is it is interprofessional relationships uh, working with physiotherapists athletic trainers um, other manual therapists strength and conditioning coaches how, how did you find commonality with this um, with this particular individual or, or work in that team was was he somebody you felt that was just particularly open to working in a, in a, in a very holistic way uh, or did you? Was it somebody you, you sought out? Did you Did you encounter any any negativity with any other professionals involved in sport at any time?
1: Well, not in the in the handball environment. This guy had been working with chiropractors in a chiropractic clinic for uh, probably twenty years when I started working there. So he was well used to the chiropractic way of thinking and everybody and everything. When I started working with the national team of uh, the track and field uh, guys, then uh, I came across a little bit of hostility and and some um, differences in in the way of t- thinking. One instance, for example, in uh, before the World Championships in Helsinki, I think it was in '94 or something like that, in uh, in athletics or track and field, and I was supposed to go there to to treat the the, the athletes, and um, and that way uh, the Physiotherapists kind of ganged up uh, on me a little bit and uh, said that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't go to the to the championships if if they brought along a chiropractor. So that's really the only real problem I've gotten across where you really saw the fronts of the profession standing up against each other. You know,
0: how how, how was the, how did that situ- situation resolve? Did you just um, oh, think that you just walked away from, or yeah, did
1: you- I, I really. You're one uh, one chiropractor. They were, they're like uh, five six physiotherapists. Uh, they've been there for many years. You really you're a young guy. You're I was like 24 25 years old at the time. You don't have that much to um, go to war with. You don't have that much ammunition. So basically, I had to stay at home.
0: Watch, watch TV. <laughs> that's, a, that's a harsh a harsh lesson. But yeah. I think I think a lot of those things also help you take stock and and do a little bit of. Maybe introspection as well, and think. Well, you know, I'm, I am prepared, and I'm the right person for this job. But that just maybe wasn't the right place at the right time. Um,
1: you Just have to uh, swallow some uh, small defeats and hope for a bigger win at the end. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think I definitely think that. I think sometimes when when doors close or when doors appear to be closed in those sorts of situations, you just you just have to keep keep pushing and keep looking for different ways. And don't allow yourself to be too discouraged. I mean, certainly one of the one of the stories or some of the feedback we'll get from students or people that have recently graduated that are, that are trying to break in is I think sometimes they just they just push too hard or they're they're pushing for opportunities that that probably don't exist. Um, for example, there might be an, an incumbent chiropractor in a position that that may not necessarily feel like they can they can share or bring somebody else in. And likewise, a performance team and a performance staff there may be a lot of people there that have, that have put a lot of time and groundwork into actually getting into these positions in the first place and i think we also sometimes forget about in the uh, excitement about what we feel like we can do we sometimes forget about other people's journey
1: that's a very big part that uh, you come in there as a chiropractor you gung-ho about chiropractic and you forget that these people are very smart people in, in their fields you know and they have big egos too i mean they they they're not gonna just stand back and let you take over over the show so i think you have to come in there with a little bit of humbleness uh, not not to the extent where you, you lose your conf- confidence but you have to be work with these people and not against them you know
0: there's there's yeah. a balance you have to have a level of a level of surety but but you have to check that that it doesn't cross over into arrogance or, or an overconfidence because that could be quite repellent also yeah. and, and and recognize that we do bring a lot of value to what we do and and that, in the end of the day, a lot of the athletes do want the types of services we can provide.
1: Yeah, and that's really what uh, has always uh, supported me—the the support of the athletes because they want they want uh, the treatments that uh, that we can give as chiropractor, you know, and they, they feel it on, on their body that that it gives the results and uh, that it, that it works, you know. So I think that that's the really what has kept me going over over all these years, you know.
0: Yeah, and and we'll continue to. So, so, in addition, obviously, I think it's fair. You would probably not describe yourself this, but it's fair for me to say that, that you're obviously a master adjuster, and know your way around the body biomechanically very well. Uh, is is there are there any other techniques, methods, modalities that that you bring into practice?
1: Yeah, I do a little bit of uh, of different stuff from adjusting as as well. You know, I do, but but in the in the sports setting, especially like in Milan, where you have 18 people working in a medical team some people are fairly sensitive to you you taking over their areas of expertise so if you even if you know kinesiotaping if you know dry needling if you know uh, shockwave uh, for example if you know this or or that or rehabilitation and everything there's usually going to be some somebody there who knows it at least as well as you do so if you start you know fiddling around too much i, I really believe that you should as far as possible stick to your level of to your area of most expertise because otherwise you're going to have a hard time you, people are going to feel that you're taking their jobs away from them and uh, instead of uh, trying to do everything yourself uh, like we do in in smaller teams or in in our clinics you know then you have to you have to be a team player and and let the other guys uh, shine at what they're good at doing you know
0: so I think the key part of that also then is is to retain a level of curiosity yourself. Is to it was um in in Britain at least I, I we we don't have athletic trainers here. Uh, we probably have a we we do certainly have a, an equivalent, but it was a, an eye opener for me in the states and um, in North America working with athletic trainers in, in the sports environment and their their depth and breadth of of skill and knowledge also, and and their ability to sports tape diagnose. There's so many things that they can do that. Um, also would be within our within our scope of practice so it's uh, there's a level of yeah, you have to retain a level of curiosity to, to understand what what these people bring and, and get to know them and get to understand their importance and their role in, in these types of teams and and that's truly what creates an integrative environment
1: yeah and that's when you get uh, accepted by the other guys as well because they see that you're not trying to Outshine them or outdo them or or anything like that. You're you're a team player and you're just working. You're all you're all working working for the good of the team and the players. You know.
0: So th- that being said, and um, I'll, I'll be interested to know what your answer to this is. But but I've also I've always felt in in the profession. It's a big we're we're a big profession. There are there are chiropractors who are excellent chiropractors, excellent clinicians. Uh, but they are chiropractors who practice chiropractic on people who happen to do sports. Now, there's always a big distinction between that and, or in my opinion, I think there's a distinction between that and a sports chiropractor, um, a a chiropractor who's really specialized to go and work in a sporting environment. Would you agree with that? Or do you feel that the skills are fairly ubiquitous and and you can do both things?
1: In many ways, I I agree with you there because uh, I've never looked at myself as a sports chiropractor at at all. I look at myself as a chiropractor and I do the same uh, techniques to a lady of uh, 60 years old who has. Twisted her ankle, or a, a small kid, or whoever has has an injury. You know, I'll do the same um, stuff, the same techniques, the same approach uh, as I do with athletes. I mean, they're human beings. It's a, it's the human body that we're we're working with. I've never been super interested in um, in rehab and training and uh, and all of those aspects or taping for that matter. I've I've always been more of a regular chiropractor that happens to be interested in working with extremity and injuries and you you see a lot of extremity injuries in sports people so i've I've never had uh, felt like a like a sports chiropractor per se i'm more of a regular chiropractor i would say that work a lot with sports people
0: so that's that's interesting so in effect what i'm hearing there is that your your avenue your pathway in was because you developed uh let again it's fair for me to say a very unique and probably an ex- i would say an exceptional skill set in in adjusting but particularly in the extremities and that was what was very attractive to to athletes because you had this ability and you were able to hopefully speed up their recovery uh, get them back on the field to perform more quickly than if you weren't there is, is that fair
1: yeah that's fair and and all of my job uh jobs have come from that i mean I started working with the tra- track and field team. It was the coach of the track and field team that came into my clinic with a shoulder injury and I fixed him and I asked me to come see them. With the Milan, it was the wife of, uh, of, uh, Jean-Pierre Merzman, the ex head of, of the Milan lab. I, I adjusted her for a shoulder injury and she got well and he saw me adjust some other people for knee inju- injuries and ankle injuries. And, uh, and I got offered that, that job. So I've never really, profiled myself in towards sports uh, that much although it, of course it interests me a, a lot you know
0: obviously from a, from a funnily enough like my, my the reason I got very interested in sports chiropractic Jean, Jean-Pierre Maris was a was a massive influence for me actually early early in my career and, and particularly the Milan lab which is one of the reasons why I started going down more of a almost a sports science route um, so it's interesting you tell that story that he observed you treating his wife was really thrilled with the with the results you got so so what was your what was your trajectory then from there to integrating yourself in is the um, and is your title the the team chiropractor for milan or or what's the oh, no, i'm more of a consultant I, I don't really
1: think i have a title uh, per se i'm more of a consult consultant you know for for the team yeah. I go there once a month and i i look at players and if they, if they need to and they they have a Full-time chiropractor at at the team from from years ago. You know they've had they've had a chiropractor there since um, since Merzmann himself was uh, was the chiropractor there. So, but uh, but uh, the mersman story, Champier, in, in short, Champier was uh, speaking at the Oslo Chiropractic Symposium in in Oslo, Norway, uh, five, five, six years ago, and he brought his wife. She was there just for the trip. And uh, usually after the seminars in Norway, I'll be outside in the exhibition area and adjusting a. Bunch of other colleagues, you know, for different kind of problems. But of course, I'm a little bit known for the extremity adjustments. So he was uh, standing there looking at me adjusting a lot of other chiropractors' knees and shoulders and wrists and uh, ankles and you you name it, you know. So and then he came over and asked me to look at his wife. She's a dentist and she had some bad shoulders. She couldn't lift them and she was supposed to have uh, shoulder surgery. So. I was a little bit cheeky, and I said, sure, I'll look at her. But if I fix her, you have to invite me down to Milan so I can look at uh, what you guys are, are doing down, down there with the Milan lab. Very fair. <laughs> and, uh, and I adjusted her, and a couple of days after, I got an email from, uh, from Champier, and, um, and apparently his, his wife has gotten a lot better. She could lift her heads, uh, her uh, arms over, over, over her head uh, properly, and he uh, invited me down. So I went down. Um, that was in May that year. I went down for a couple of days, took a couple of days off work, flew down, and uh, just observed. And uh, got a—he showed me around the, the Milan lab, and you know, showed me the works there. And uh, I thought that was a awesome experience. I thought it was super interesting. I mean, these guys have uh, equipment and, and uh, methods that uh, I'd never seen before, and uh, they also put it into a system that is uh, that I'd never seen before in in, in that way. But I just uh, took it as a as a nice experience, you know, and uh, about a half year. Afterwards, uh, I got a mail from him. They had two players that uh, nobody could, they couldn't get them back on the on the field again. They were injured. One had a knee, knee operation, another one had a old fracture of the fifth, fifth metatarsal who uh, that uh, it had healed up, but uh, and the knee operation was apparently successful. But uh, they couldn't they couldn't train or play or or run these two players. So uh, he said, "We've tried everything. Do you want to come down and see if you can do anything?" So of course, I just uh, cancelled. Uh, a week in my practice and uh, jumped on the first plane before they could uh, read the or anything like that. So I thought, uh, this is my chance, I gotta take this one. So I went down there and I adjusted these two players and um, within the week they were both back in, back in training and that's really when, when that thing kind of kicked off. They asked me to come, uh, well first they asked me to move down there and then yes, uh, I couldn't do that because I have uh, a practice here at home and a uh, wife and, and two kids we couldn't just break break up from that so we kind of agreed on me coming down there once a month
0: yeah that's really interesting so that's uh preparation meets opportunity really isn't it and
1: yeah you got to be a little bit lucky to get the opportunity and then when you get the opportunity you have to be good enough to to do something about it you know
0: and i just think it's it's probably worth also pointing out that 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 was only four years ago, and and you graduated in 1993. So it's not as if it was something that that just fell in your lap. No. Something which which takes time and elite sport also require often an elite practitioner. And and it makes sense. There was a story I can't I can't remember who it was. Um, it was physical therapist I think, which was who was working for the LA Lakers at the time, and and Kobe Bryant had made a comment asking how she would rate herself as a practitioner. Was she uh, out of ten? And and she said, oh, I, I would say I'm six out of 10, trying to be humble. And he said, well, you shouldn't be working with me then if you're only six out of 10. But probably yeah, exactly. making a mess of that story. But I think a lot of that also also rings true. Is there's, There is a certain amount of time and preparation that needs to be done.
1: Put down the groundwork. You know? First of all, you need to be experienced enough to be uh, to be calm. Uh- but creating athletes of that caliber with the money that is involved and all the pressure around it, uh, and then and then uh, you know it's it's really a thing that you kind of at least for me it, it's been a thing that I've kind of just matured into. You know, I've always treated a lot of athletes, but the level has gotten higher over the years. But I mean, I've treated so many hundreds and thousands of low le- level athletes. Um, and the the injuries are are the same, you know. So an ankle injury is an ankle injury, whether you're playing in the seventh division in uh, Norway or the Serie A and uh, A in um, in Italy. So basically, the mechanics are the same. The players are just as interested in getting well. The big difference is the the pressure of, of the media and the money and uh, and everything, you know.
0: So is that your attitude towards that's probably developed over the years? Then that, that you've been doing that's become a it, it's it really. It, Also, an evolution for you in some ways, I'm sure. Every every year's play a little bit different.
1: Oh yeah, both uh, both as a both as as a chiropractor uh, chiropractor and as a human being, of course, you you mature and you evolve and you you get a higher degree of uh, I don't know if you should call it certainty or maybe confidence is a better better word that you can actually perform when when it's needed. You know,
0: you you obviously get massive amounts of of practice hours in the year because I know I know you're in a busy practice, so. could you would would you mind just take me through maybe what a week for you would look like like a, a typical standard standard week um, how your day typically plays out in in practice?
1: Yeah, I usually start out at uh, seven o'clock in the morning. My first patient maybe sometimes a uh, quarter to seven or something like that, and uh, then I just keep uh, working until I'm finished. Usually around uh, six o'clock at night, and then I'll. Uh, both my kids used to play football. Then I would usually go to their practices and uh, watch or the games and everything, and I would look at their teammates and uh, and everything. So uh, my life has basically been uh, revolving around chiropractic for, since I, since I became a chiropractor. Really, yep. I, uh, I used to when I was uh, working with a handball team back in back in Raman, I would uh, I worked with two teams, so I would usually stay in the in the handball arena, for like uh, usually, I'd finish work at seven, go straight to the handball arena, and stay there until 10, ten, ten thirty at night, just uh, adjusting and looking at the uh, people from different teams, and uh, both from the elite team and and also from all the lower teams, uh, you know, and the youth teams, and and that's a great practice builder because you might not for the first years you might work a little bit uh, for free for with those elite teams, or at least you won't be paid that much, but um, and you start looking at the youth teams and youth players, and you start uh, talking to their parents. And it's a it's a very good way of getting your face out there and and um, getting known to the to the public. And it's also a, a very good way of building your private practice. So for me, it's uh, it's never been either or; it's always been both.
0: You know. Yeah. So let me let me ask you a question. Just in in terms of making that initial point of contact to to these local teams or local organizations uh, do, you, do you have any sort of sage words for people that are thinking about trying to do that sort of thing how what what's the best approach who's the right person to approach and uh, what have you found that's worked and, and maybe what have you found hasn't been so successful
1: if you're in uh working in a high level like pro sports the best thing you can do is fix the coach for something if he has an old problem and you fix him he's going to start believing in you and he's going to send you the players or the general manager or, or the CEO of, uh, of the team or something like that my way in has always been uh, to either get uh, one of the star players in as a patient or getting the coach in as a patient
0: I would that so, apply even down to, to the grassroots levels when you first started out
1: yeah oh yeah very very much so you usually start out with one or two uh, maybe uh, one or two players and then you in, in your practice because they they hear about you and then you get hold of the one of the maybe more influential older older players and uh, then you start planting the seed that you know maybe you guys could uh, have some use for me in the in the team as well uh, since you're all of you are going to see me in, in the clinic you know yeah if you get a get a good result with a coach or a head coach or a manager or something like that then you're really you're really home Then uh, then if th- these guys believe in you the big the big guys in the club then you're and you're in good shape
0: aside from i will I'll, we'll talk about that in a second but aside as far on the teaching that that you do how how do you stay on top of of your techniques uh, what sort of things do you seek out in terms of uh, ongoing education uh,
1: well i do all kinds of i've done uh, in norway we have a certification uh seminar series for for sports medicine people that all the people that want to work with national team teams or high level teams whether they're chiropractors mds or or physiotherapist they have to uh, they have to go through this uh, continuing education so of course I do that and I do the refresher seminars through that and that's also very important knowledge because if you're on the bench with the team you need to know some basic medicine and acute care and you know assessments and and everything and then uh, basically what I've done over the years I've tried to figure out who's the best that if I hear about some guy who's really good at ankles I'll Track him down, see if he's doing any seminars. If he doesn't do any seminars, I'm gonna send him an email and ask if I can come and observe in his clinic and and try to pick his brain uh, brains uh, as much as I can. You know, so, so I've just been you know, basically my technique is just. Uh, Stealing a lot of other people's techniques and putting it together, and then mixing it up a little bit, uh, and making it uh, my own. But of course, my main influences uh, has always been Doctor
0: Dr. Malik. Yeah, and and I think they say the the most innovative people are the ones who can hide their sources the best, right? I mean, we're all we're all borrowing and changing and integrating other people's yeah, stuff, well, <laughs>
1: well, uh, integrating other people's stuff, and uh, thank God for that. It's it's difficult to reinvent the wheel. You know?
0: Yeah, that's gone really quickly, uh, and it, it's been absolutely excellent so the, the last thing i think i would maybe just like to close off with is is where people can can catch up with any of your courses um what you've got going on in the coming coming months if you have anything planned yeah, I, don't, I
1: i never put a put on any courses my myself i'm 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 really not very fond of public speaking and and everything so all the I'll just turn up if people ask me to to turn up. Uh, I just had a spoke at the Lyceum at the Barcelona College of Chiropractic. They they sent me an email and asked me to come. And uh, I'm going to speak in Paris uh, next month, and then in Madrid, and then in, at the ECU conference in Budapest. And then I got asked today, uh, earlier today, to speak in Hong Kong at the Hong Kong College of Chiropractic in November. And I think I'm speaking in Bournemouth sometimes this fall or something like that. So. It just a uh, best place maybe to see it is on my Facebook page, or um, I'm sp- I'm also speaking in uh, Dr. Merzmann has a seminar series going on down in Como. You can uh, you can find uh, it's find everything about that on the Facebook page called JPM Eventy.
0: No, that one I should get down to.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I would recommend people to to look that one up because I'm I'm speaking there and a lot of other very good professionals and uh, from different areas not only from chiropractic but um, we have uh, optometrists speaking about the eye hand co- coordination and stuff like that and uh, it's, it's just very interesting
0: that's great so for, for a man that doesn't like to speak publicly you're doing a pretty decent amount of public speaking this year so so, yeah. ha- so yeah. hats off to yeah. you buddy <laughs> <laughs>
1: but i never really promoted myself as a speaker or, or anything and I, it's uh, it's not what I live off I live off of my work in in the practice uh, so you know so, so I've never really focused on uh, on uh, being some kind of seminar guru I, I usually i um, I tell people to go to dr Malley's seminars because I think they're excellent you know his background stuff is uh, superior to most of the people I've uh, lis- listened to you know he's got very good um, He's got a very good biomechanical understanding, very good neurological background, uh, and and everything. So I think his st- stuff is excellent. I I still do go to go to try to go to at least one Gonsted seminar a, a year to have them pick away all my uh, bad habits uh, in adjusting and to hone my uh, my te- technique. So just uh, I think. I think chiropractic is fairly simple, but it's uh, it's difficult because it's so so simple. Because we all get bad habits, whether it comes to analyzing the spine or the extremities, to find the uh, find the correct uh, fixations or stabilizations, or when it comes to uh, adjusting them. So I think uh, if you can hone your basic skills, you know, keep them fresh and, and stop sliding into bad habits when when it comes to correcting um, these uh, dysfunctions, You know, I think. Uh, that's the most important, because I see all of us old uh, guys that have been out for a few years, we start getting some bad habits, and then it's uh, important to go back to the source and uh, and kind of clear clear away all the weeds, you know?
0: Yeah, so I think that's um, they call that the, the simplicity on the far side of complexity, right? So thank you for listening to this Pathways to Performance podcast. We hope that you find this episode engaging and as interesting as we did. Join us next time as we continue to explore the journeys of other high-performance practitioners in elite sport.